Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Ken Samples on the reasonableness of belief in God and the truth of Christianity. I think the challenges that we have today, uh, the Bible, historic Christianity has real answers for them. And it can account for both the dignity and for the brokenness and the fallenness. And we have a savior who comes into the world to take care of our sin problem. Ken Samples, next. Christian apologist Ken Samples says people questioning Christianity today aren't satisfied just with evidence that it's true, but they also want to be shown why Christianity and belief in God are reasonable. Ken Samples is senior scholar at Reasons to Believe and author of many books, including Christianity Cross-Examined. Ken, the reasonableness of belief in God certainly falls within the realm of apologetics or giving a defense for the faith. How did the Lord lead you into this area of ministry? Yeah, thank you for asking. Well, um, I became a Christian in uh, 1978. That is, I was raised in a Catholic family, and I believed in God, and I, I really did believe Jesus was the Son of God, but I really didn't take my Christianity seriously until uh, probably my second year in college, and um, there were a variety of things that kind of led me to ask what I would call the deep questions of life. My uh, We had a death in our family. My brother had passed away, and I just knew that I was looking and searching and um, I read C.S. Lewis's little book, Mere Christianity. It had a big impact on me. Mm -hmm. I began reading the scriptures. I went back to church. And uh, then I began to realize that not everybody shared my faith. I had Jehovah's Witnesses knocking on my front door. I, at, at the university that I attended, we had skeptics and atheists. And so I realized that... Uh, as a Christian, I believe in both faith and reason. And then I I came across somebody that had a really big impact on me. His name was Walter Martin. He was the mm. original Bible Answer Man. And I just couldn't get enough of Walter Martin. He was uh, such a brilliant man and had such a command of uh, Christian theology and logic and apologetics. And I was fortunate enough uh, years ago to work with him. Uh, after he passed, I was one of the co-hosts of the Bible Answer Man, and uh, after that, I had my own apologetic ministry. I, I think you can probably remember this, Bill. It was called Augustine Fellowship. St. Augustine's one of my favorite thinkers. And, and for the last 26 years, I have worked with uh, Reasons to Believe that was founded by the astronomer Hugh Ross. Mm. So... I, I think my career has spanned about 35 years, and I've I've enjoyed it. It's been challenging. Uh, it's it's never easy to defend the faith, but it uh, I think it's so needed, and maybe now even more than before. Moving to today's topic, the reasonableness of belief in God and the truth of Christianity. I understand that you, uh, sort of as a starting point, like the acronym CLEAR. Uh, as yes. you call it. Can you kind of take us through C-L-E-A-R and why that seems to apply so well? I sure can. There are a lot of ways of defending the faith, but I like this, uh, an acronym, again, the word CLEAR, C-L-E-A-R, and 
I think the way I would describe it, Bill, is this. Um, you know, C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sun, not just because I see the sun, but because of the sun's light, I see all other things. I'm going to say that in a philosophical sense. I don't see God, but by believing in God, everything starts to make sense. Mm. There's clarity. And uh, I use the uh, word C-L-E-A-R as an acronym. The C stands for the cosmos. Um, and we can talk some of the details, but uh, modern cosmology says the cosmos had a beginning, that it's kind, it is orderly, it's fine-tuned. So that's the C. Then I use the L for life. You have things like human consciousness, which is a deep mystery, free agency, meaning in life. I use the E, C-L-E, as ethics. Uh, why do we have prescriptive morality? Why is there objective morality? Where's that come from? The A is abstractions, a little bit of a philosophical term, but it really means things like numbers or propositions, logic, universals, those things you can't see, conceptual mm -hmm. ideas. And then the R is for religion, and there I bring up the issue of why are human beings so religious? Uh, Paul, of course, in Romans says, it's because we see, understand, and know that there's a God. We, we suppress that in our sinful nature, but there are also religious experiences, and we can talk about the miracles of Jesus and his resurrection. So I like to convey, particularly to a lay audience— that I can't see God, but by believing in God, when I look at the realities of the world, they fall into place. They, they have meaning, and uh, there, is, there is a ground of justifying or believing them. And I've, I've found that this an acronym is a very meaningful way, that there are pointers to God, and by believing in God, things begin to make sense. N not to be tried in any way, but so often you hear the phrase, seeing is believing. You're saying, in this case, believing is seeing. That's exactly right. I mean, you don't see light. C.S. Lewis has, I think, made a very important point, and I've talked to some of my physics colleagues about it. You don't actually see light, but light then illumines all of these other realities. Uh, and I'm, I'm using that as an analogy. I don't see God. God is an invisible spiritual being. Uh, he can't be seen, so to speak. But by believing in him, then all of these m mysterious uh, and important critical realities have a basis. They have justification or a grounding. And I have tried to think about this because I want to reach as a broader audience as I can. I don't want to just speak to philosophers or, you know, people who are given to science. I want, I want as many people as possible to have a basic way of thinking about their faith. These are, these are things that point us to God. Well, we are talking about the reasonableness of belief in God and the truth of Christianity. So, each of these um, issues, these particular subjects that we'll be looking at today, are under the umbrella of that. And Ken, I understand that you found it helpful, a helpful way to approach this issue is, is, is what's often referred to as the best explanation or cumulative case apologetics. Um, right. Can you ex help us understand what that is? It's a, bit, it's a bit like the clear 
explanation, that's isn't right. it? Right. That that's exactly right. Uh, you know, um, a lot of people use what I would call diagnostic reasoning. I mean, when I go to the doctor, uh, the doctor uh, takes my you know my temperature, they check my heart, uh, blood pressure. Uh, he talks to me and says, you know, what, what are the symptoms here? And then he develops a diagnosis. Oh, I think, you know, maybe you have this problem. We can give you this medication. Scientists do the very same thing. They look at data and then they propose a hypothesis and they say, this idea seems to explain that. I, I remember even my father, um, who was an automobile and truck mechanic, and when they couldn't find what was wrong with the engine, he was he. They bring him in, and he knew enough about uh, the automobile engine that that he could just listen to the engine. He says. Mm a carburetor problem or that's a transmission mm. problem i thought it was magic when he did, <laughs> you know he was really drawing a hypothesis here are these symptoms so to speak now i'm going to speak to that i think that this is a powerful way again of reasoning toward god that that um god explains things and bill i recently read an article by a prominent atheist uh, keith parsons is his name mm. he is He's a very academic, very thoughtful, and a staunch atheist. He said in an article, he said, you know, I have to admit, the thing that Christianity gets right is human nature. Uh, it seems like we do have an original sin. We have a problem. And I thought, wow, that's right down my alley, mm -hmm. because I, I say Christianity is true because it explains the riddle of being a human being. You've mentioned uh, physicians, and your father was a very expert uh, truck uh, mechanic. Of course, there are other uh, occupations, professions that use the same kind of reasoning, the best explanation or cumulative case approach, like detectives, for example, uh, looking at evidence. And I mean, that's, ex that's exactly right. Uh, I have a friend, Jay Warner Wallace, who is a cold case detective. A well-known Christian apologist, you know, crime scene investigators, they go on the scene, well, we've got a dead body here, we've got uh, cartridges, uh, they form uh, a, a way of thinking about it, lawyers do it. Um, I actually say in my book and articles that this, this is the way all thoughtful, intelligent uh, people reason. We look at things and say, what is the best explanation of these things that we see? I'm now applying it to God. I say by believing in God, God is like light. By believing in God, very difficult things to explain become understandable. Uh, by believing in God, you begin to see and understand things that you couldn't without him. And as I understand it, it we're not talking about 100% proof or total certainty, we're talking about, the, as you said, the best explanation, the preponderance yes. of the evidence, is, if you will, which is used in uh, civil court cases. That's exactly right. Um, you know, in logic, we talked about deductive and inductive reasoning. What, what, what characterizes deduction is that when it's done right, uh, you can have certain conclusions. Think of, uh, you know, geometry. Think of 
things that can be tested and proved with certainty. Induction has more to do with probabilities, but there's another type called abduction. It doesn't have anything to do with UFOs, by the way. <laughs> Abductive reasoning. Uh, Charles Peirce was a philosopher in the 19th century that kind of developed this. But it then asked the question, what's the best explanation? Uh, and and that has to do with rather than certainty or probability, it has to do with plausibility. And you're right. We see it in, in the courts. You know, um, when I ask who who killed JFK, I'm looking for the best explanation of events that could solve this mystery. I think it can be applied to many things like Jesus's resurrection. What's the best explanation? Is there some natural explanation, like the disciples went to the wrong tomb, or, or could it be a myth? I think this form of reasoning is, is really the way uh, all people kind of approach. So doctors, lawyers, detectives, uh, my father as a, as a truck mechanic, and I thought, wow, that's what he meant when he talked about diagnostic reasoning. So it took me a little while as a philosopher to realize what my dad was doing for a living. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, we're talking about the reasonableness of belief in God and the truth of Christianity with Mr. Ken Samples. He's senior research scholar at Reasons to Believe, and uh, Ken is helping us to understand the uh, importance of the if you will, the preponderance of the evidence or the best explanation or cumulative case for God to explain reality as we know it. And as I understand it, Ken, I think I was reading one of your articles that you said uh, an author, a, a Christian thinker that used this approach so famously was C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. That That's exactly right. Um, he And that book had a big impact on me when I was just, you know, 19, 20 years old. And I've read it, I've probably read the, the book 25 times, mm. because whenever I think a book is a classic, I like to go back to it again and think of it again. One of my intellectual heroes, um, Mortimer Adler, says a, a classic book is a book that can never be exhausted. You, you always go back and find more and more. Think of the Bible. I mean, none of us gets tired of reading the book of Romans or the Psalms. Every time we pick it up, there's, ooh, there's more there. Well, to a lesser extent, some of these books, uh, like C.S. Lewis, like St. Augustine's Confessions or Blaise Pascal's Pensées, um, Lewis does reason this way. You know, he will ask, he will ask questions like, uh, we all feel a, a sense of morality. We, we sense that there's a right and a wrong. Uh, people kind of bicker back and forth. You, you know, give me part of your orange. I gave you part of mine. And, and people go back and forth. Well, how do we explain morality? Uh, he says the best explanation is that there's a moral lawgiver. And he does it in other ways. He looks at Jesus and he says, well, you know, uh, let's give some Let's give some possible explanations. Maybe Je Jesus was a myth or a legend, but see, Lewis was an expert on myth and legend. And he says, when I read the Gospels, those are historical. They're, they're not legendary. And then he raises the question, could, could Jesus have been a madman? Mm -hmm. Could Jesus have, you know, uh, been uh, a deceiver? And he goes through and he says, the best explanation appears to be that Jesus was, in fact, the Son of God. And I thought, boy, that is a very powerful—I think that's what hooked me all those years ago. And 
I think that's one of the reasons why Mere Christianity, Bill, remains a perennial bestseller, because uh, some of these ideas, I think, are are very, very powerful. And again, I um, I decided a long time ago, based on C.S. Lewis's advice, that I wanted to talk about substantive issues, but as in the most accessible way that I could, just like when C.S. Lewis during World War II, he went out to the uh, the air bases uh, and talked to these young men who were going to fly missions, and many of them weren't going to come back alive. Uh, he said, "I couldn't use my my Oxford speak. I had to speak to people uh, on a lay level." And so I really prize that idea of trying to be substantive real issues, complicated issues, but let's talk about them in the most accessible way possible. That that way, more Christians and more non-Christians can understand these things. As you talk about a cumulative case for God and Christianity, you say that historic Christianity has what's often referred to as explanatory power and scope, and you've really been touching on this throughout our conversation to account for those things that you talked about at the beginning using your clear uh, acronym, uh, but but the universe, uh, ethics, human beings, religious phenomena. And I'm just wondering, what is it about historic Christianity, if we could look at each of these, historic uh, Christianity's explanatory power and scope, how is it able to account for the universe? What, what aspects of the universe yeah. do you see it accounting well, for? Very good. Looking at the cosmos or the universe, um, you know, the very first verse of the Bible in the Old Testament, uh, that God created the heavens and the earth, that Hebrew expression of heavens and the earth means the totality of all things. Uh, And in the New Testament, it talks about the universe coming into being by God from nothing. Well, uh, there's a lot in science, in Big Bang cosmology, uh, that illustrates that the universe had a beginning. And even even this idea of fine-tuning, Bill, uh, that there are certain things that are uh, fine-tuned. Think of a uh, dial where you have to dial in all of these things. Uh, you know, you have to have the right gravitational force. You have to have electromagnetism, strong and weak nuclear forces. Life wouldn't be possible. So, so it's, it's, again, all of this complex fine-tuning. Now, if God exists, then things like uh, the universe, why it's here, why it's fine-tuned. If, uh, if God exists then there's a good reason why we are conscious beings and can trust our mind and do science and mathematics. Uh, If we're made in the image of God, then there's good reason why people should not be tortured or innocent people murdered. Uh, and, And if God exists, there's a good reason to believe why mathematical principles work and how they can be applied to science. And then lastly, if God exists, then Jesus and his extraordinary life, uh, his miracles, his resurrection, if if God is really there, then the idea of uh, human beings makes sense. Why are we, to use Pascal, why are we an enigma of greatness and wretchedness? Well, the Christian Bible tells us we're great because we're made in the image of God, which means we're exceptional creatures, very different in kind, not just in degree from the animals or even the AI machines, uh, but we're also wretched. 
Um, Chesterton, C.S. Lewis, uh, people like this tell us uh, that our fallenness, our sinfulness is proved every single day of their life. I mean, think about that for a moment. Wherever you go, whatever person you encounter, no matter how many positive qualities they have, there is a a moral brokenness Mm -hmm. in them. And I've met many of my heroes, and lo and behold, they're sinners just like me. I, I think, again, that, that idea, it's a cumulative case. It's not just these each and individual arguments that I can make, but as a collective group, they add even more evidence that this is the case. You've talked a little bit about uh, ethics earlier, that there is, seems to be a universal uh, ethical uh, approach or eth- universal moral values. In other words, Whichever culture you look at around the world, there's a sort of, seems like there's an agreement that stealing's wrong, that killing's wrong, other things like that. Would you add anything else to that that, that points to uh, the existence of God uh, as, a, as a explaining that? Yes. Uh, what I find really interesting, Bill, in my study of world religions is you can look at Judaism, Christianity, Islam, you can look at Buddhism, Hinduism, Confucianism, and Taoism, and guess what? They all have, even the non-biblical religions, they all have the second five of the Ten Commandments. Mm. Now, in my mind, this makes sense, because even though there are false religions with false gods and false ideas, they're made in the image of God, they are recipients of common grace, they have general revelation, so they condemn things like murder, uh, adultery, stealing, lying. I think we should expect that other cultures will get some things right, but yet also some things wrong. Christianity has a unique way of explaining these kinds of things. And human beings, you've touched on it again a a fair amount, that uh, according to uh, the Bible, they're created in God's image. But was there other things that you would add to that? Yeah, I, I, and I think that this, this is a very powerful one. Again, I mentioned this, uh, this distinguished atheist philosopher, uh, Keith Parsons. You know, he said, usually I'm debunking Christianity. He said, I want to write this article and tell you what I think Christianity gets right. And essentially, he says, Christianity gets human beings right. We are fallen. I mean, think of what's happening in Israel. Think of the 20th century bill where millions of people were murdered. If God doesn't exist, is there any reason to think that uh, humans who have evolved uh, from other animals, that we have any dignity? You know, the reason why most of the people opposed slavery was because they believed people were made in the image of God. And uh, it doesn't matter what color your skin is. You're made in God's image. You're a child of Adam, and you're a child of God. So I think the challenges that we have today, uh, the Bible, historic Christianity has real answers for them. And it can account for both the dignity and for the brokenness and the fallenness. And we have a Savior who comes into the world to take care of our sin problem. Indeed. And then religious phenomena, uh, the, the existence of God, belief in God, and the truth of Christianity, you, you say, uh, is the best explanation for, for which uh, religious phenomena? Yeah, th- think about it for a moment. Um, again, I've read 
uh, many of the great philosophers of uh, both East and West. I have a book entitled God Among Sages, where I compare Jesus with Krishna, Buddha, Confucius, and Muhammad. And you know what I discovered in writing that book and reading about it and studying about it, Bill, was that not only do ordinary people like me and you we have such a contrast with Jesus, but even the greatest philosophers and the greatest religious leaders, they don't compare well with Jesus. His life is the one exception to all this. Original sin has affected all people at all times everywhere with only one exception. Jesus had no sin. How's that possible? How is it possible for him to do miracles? Bill, when I was 20 years old, I had a dream where I thought I saw a Christ figure. Well, uh, again, we can debate and go back and forth, but part of my change of life was that dream. Mm. Um, if God exists, then it's possible to adjudicate and, and, and to look at evidence for these kinds of things. Well, Ken, as people are considering what's being said, really in our relatively brief conversation about the reasonableness of, of belief in God and the truth of Christianity, and you've given uh, what you uh, explain as the explanatory power of uh, Christianity, of belief in God, what would you say to people that are considering this right now? Maybe this is new. What now? If they're, if they're thinking this this has this is starting to have a ring of truth to me, or or I'm surprised that I'm following your your explanation, and I'm, I, I'm seeing the reasonableness of it, what now? What I like to say, Bill, is uh, I don't tell people what to believe. I try to give them tools so that they can think about these issues and come to their own conclusion. Uh, in our day, we have a lot of propaganda. We have uh, a lot of uh, you know, fake news. Uh, you know, people, we, re we ask... With the, with the internet, you know, it can take you in many good or bad directions. I say just begin to think about this. If you believe in God, do, is it true that all of these other meaningful realities uh, become to be meaningful, that there's a foundation for them? And I would say don't take my word for it. Think about it work through it, look at these, because not every worldview, Bill, can explain these things. Um, I, I really think that without God, human beings are inexplicable. What about the other uh, religions, the other religious worldviews? You've, you've cited them. I mean, there, there are many. Does belief in God and the truth of Christianity, does it account for other religious perspectives that uh, may not be true? Well, they have some explanatory power. I would say it's limited. I mean, the philosophical side of Hinduism says human beings are gods. That doesn't seem quite right. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, other, other religions have other uh, explanations for human beings. Islam says we are not fallen. We're born into the world good. And yet we look at the Middle East and Islam or people who affirm some form of Islam are engaged in terrible acts. So I don't think the world's religions, I, they get certain things right, but they have false gods, false Christs, false gospels. I, I love again what Pascal says. He says, to know the truth, you have to love it and be willing to dig for it and search it. I don't tell people what to believe. 
I try to give them tools so that they can discover it. And of course, I'm I'm always believing the Holy Spirit is working in their hearts and their minds. Absolutely, Ken. And speaking of tools, you've written many books. Would you would you recommend anything that you've written? Yes. Um, if you're looking for a book, I have a book entitled Christianity Cross-Examined, where I look at things like the cosmos, life, ethics, abstractions, religion. I also have another book called Seven Truths That Changed the World. And this this acronym is in that book. And I have lots of articles at reasons.org. Just type in Ken Samples and there's plenty of articles. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Ken Samples, Senior Scholar at Reasons to Believe and author of Christianity Cross-Examined. For more information, go to reasons.org. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Daniel Brenzel helping us to live a life of prayer in response to God. We can pray to not only in response to Scripture, we should we should be reading Scripture, it's God's words spoken to us, and you respond to a word spoken with your own words of, of, of answer. Um, um, so we can pray in response to Scripture, but but it's a it's a it's an interesting word of God to us. It's a it's a pastorally kind and loving word to us, which gives us also some words to pray. <laughs> so it's not just that we pray in response to Scripture. There are many scriptures that we can actually pray. The Psalms are the classic example. That's tomorrow at this same time, right here on His People. Thanks for listening. <laughs>